following is a presentation of the Retro Network. Strap in, movie fans. We're about to take you 30 years into the past to explore the biggest blockbuster hits of the 1990s. I'm Pete. And I'm Michael. And And this this is is Box Box Office Office 30. 30. December 1990 episode of Box Office 30. As usual, I'm Pete, and I'm joined by my good friend and co-host, Michael. How are you, sir? I'm well, thank you. Other than the fact that I had to sit through a three-hour, three-and-a-half-hour movie this month, which is super exciting. <laughs> <laughs> well, have you watched it yet? Is that, Or you're just like anticipating the uh, oh, three-and-a-half hours? I, I am mentally preparing myself for the dual dvd set that i have of this movie <laughs> the marathon oh yeah i it's funny i um i was trying to think after last time and i, I had meant to try and um mention it and then i realized because we were talking about like some of these long movies or whatever and i realized the one i was thinking of um i think it's called gods and generals yes and i've heard of this it's over five hours long, and I saw that in the theater. <laughs> in, in in the you went to the theater and saw that in in Washington D.C. with Angie. Yes, when we were in college, we and went. And she still that. married she, you? No, she's the one that wanted to see it. Actually, she <laughs> had to read it. I think for one of her courses. Which, if the movie's that long, geez, I can't imagine how long the book is. You know, oh, um, but yeah, she wanted to see it, so we went and like did it, like just to say that we had like done a weirdo thing of seeing a five and a half hour movie and it wasn't one of these things too where you like come and see one part of it one night and come back another night for the other part of it like i see some broadway shows and things Mm -hmm. like that do Mm -hmm. it was like they sent you away for like a half an hour an hour in the middle of it like had you exit the theater leave the theater like go like get some food or whatever then come back it was so bizarre wow definitely interesting theater going uh experience yeah that's that's uh that's true love right there, my friend. It's true love for you to do that. Yes. <laughs> well, speaking of um, interesting theater going experiences, um, we had some big news pop up this last week. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah. So this is kind of a big deal and also a little bit not surprising and sort of inevitable due to the state of the world right now. But Warner Brothers has made an announcement that their entire slate of films for 2021 will be simultaneously released in theaters as well as directly to HBO Max on the same day. And they're doing this as an experiment first with with Wonder Woman on Christmas Day. And here's the caveat to it. 
It's only going to be on HBO Max for 30 days, and then they're going to pull it off until it finishes its full theatrical release. And then, you know, as time or whenever progresses, they'll dump the movie back on HBO Max, you know, indefinitely. But we're talking about movies like Dune, Suicide Squad, In the Heights, The Matrix 4, Godzilla vs. King Kong, you name it. Like, if you have HBO Max, which I do because I am an AT&T Unlimited customer and get it for free... (laughs) I am super pumped. Send us some money, AT and T. I won't have to leave my house between this and the Justice League, uh, you know, four part Snyder cut. Oh man, yes. I'm, I'm in. Every Friday night for the next year is going to be booked for me. Yeah, it's it's really interesting, and I, you know, it's a funny sort of thing that we started this box office specific podcast in the year where it seems like box office is about to die yeah (laughs) you know i mean like i i still don't know that some of the big theater chains are you know out of the uh danger zone by any stretch and then you've got announcements like this i mean those are big big movies yeah um that you know i i really wonder where people are going to land on on some of these you know i was thinking about this um earlier today that i was like you know I personally feel like I would still want to see the the Wonder Woman's and the Suicide Squats and some of these sort of movies in the theater. You know, you and I talked about it that like we're theater people. We really like to see these things up on the big screen. But as you also just said, like with circumstances still not great and like with things really spiking again, I mean, some of the numbers they've been talking about recently for COVID, you know, we're almost worse in some cases now on we certain days than we were earlier. Yeah. Um, you know, it doesn't bode well for wanting to go to in-person theater. So I see why they're doing this, but yeah, you know, I mean, it's interesting. You called this, uh, the Wonder Woman one launching an experiment and it's funny. It's almost like they're putting the cart before the horse because they're, they're not even through that experiment before they've announced yeah, and kind of set in stone that they're going to, you know, do this the whole next year in 2021. And the other thing that I think is interesting that you pointed out and I had kind of glimpsed over this and then I saw it again and I'm glad you brought it up is this thing with the 30 day bracket um, that they're putting these movies out on that service for that's a wide net. Um, I was trying to think to myself, if there's anybody that subscribes to HBO during that time, um, you know, that's a pretty wide open area 30 days for anybody to really pop in watch the movie you know i mean i'd almost be curious where they came up with that number versus like let's say they launch day and date but for a week right and it's only on there for a week well didn't they and then you got to go see it in the theater i mean like don't you think this is gonna a 30-day window to watch that movie and seemingly be able to watch it as many times as you want yeah yeah would would kill your you know need or reasoning to go to the theater i mean is this the uh, the knife in the theater's back? I, I don't know. What's your read on this? You know, it's one of those things where I remember it was a big controversy when that Scorsese film with De Niro and Pacino that came out a year ago. What was it called? <laughs> Why do we keep struggling with the name of this? <laughs> the uh, What was it like? The Irishman. The Irishman. Yes, the Irishman. Like. There was a big controversy about it. Like I was about to call it the old timers, but that's just how I think about it. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to call it the contractor, but that's not it either. Yes, the Irishman. Okay. No. But like, so 
there was a big controversy about that being in theaters for two weeks before it went direct to Netflix. And I mean, to date, I still haven't watched the movie just because I've heard it was, you know, a li- longer than it needed to be. Um, yeah. Well, my advice to anybody with The Irishman is just watch Goodfellas again. It's it, You're going to be a better spent your time that yeah. way. <laughs> so, you know, I, I think that the idea of the 30 day window is like we're talking about how many movies could Warner Brothers be releasing this year plus the Snyder Cut. You know, they've got to have at least 30 movies planned to come out in the theaters this year. I don't know the full slate, but theoretically, they could drop a movie a week for most of the year. Yeah, well, I mean, when they made this announcement, they dropped a trailer for this announcement. (laughs) There's a trailer part? I haven't even seen that. There's a trailer for this announcement. Yes, and it's like like a 40-ish second long thing. But basically, it's just one of these like, bam, 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 like showing you all the various titles that they're going to be sticking up in this space, you know? So, I mean, it's such a weird quasi ironic thing. You know what I mean? Like to put out a movie trailer for movies that are going to be debuting simultaneously in a theater and on the streaming platform. I mean, you know, we've in the past 10, 15 years, really seen a lot of shifts in how media is accessed. I mean, you know, one that's a departure. And consumed, yes. Uh, you know, a departure from this podcast, but something that is very relevant to me, as you know, I'm a big um, novel reader, um, and I've been reading way more books in the past few years. Like last year, I think I had 52 novels read by, you know, January 1st to December 31st or whatever. Um, uh, to, to, for for the record, folks, I don't know if I could name 52 <laughs> books. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I could name them back, but that's what I use Goodreads for. But um, but even with that, you know, like I read all of those on a Kindle, you know what I mean? And you and I have had this conversation when it comes to comic books and like comic books is one of these mediums where I read them digitally just because like circumstances have really forced that on me. But I really enjoy the physical holding a comic book. Oh, me too. Actual totally. books I care less yeah. about. And I know that there's people that are like, I want that feel of the book and the smell of the book. But again, I'm getting way off topic here. But again, it's just like, you know, it's a trend that I think we're going to really see now. And and was it precipitated by this whole COVID thing? Maybe. But, you know, theaters have been in trouble for a while anyway. Um, And things like this are just, you know, it's a it's a sort of shocking deal. You know, I I think I I mean, it was either, you know, think of it like this, like you're a family of four. I'm a family of four. If we wanted to go bring our kids to see some sort of movie it's 80 bucks per family on average before you buy a popcorn kernel yeah no and you know it's it's to nobody's surprise that like most theaters are making their money off of all the extras the sodas and the popcorns and all that sort of thing um you know obviously mike and i uh, see movies in in the new york region and particularly in new york city uh, you know i've spent on a single movie ticket in New York city for like special edition IMAX viewings and things like that, you know? Um, So yeah, I realize that's not like the national average theater ticket, you know, which is still somewhat substantially a bit lower than that. When we went to see uh, guardians of the galaxy one, we saw an IMAX on, you know, uh, 
at the AMC. Yeah, I well, think, particularly at the theater like that. I, you know, I used to I it was like live twenty eight dollars a ticket. I was like, wow. Yeah, I used to live by the AMC um, IMAX Lincoln Square in New York City, and that's like the biggest IMAX screen there is in in the city. Oh, it's um, amazing. And uh, you know, but they would like you get upcharged for it being IMAX, and then if the movie was three D, they would upcharge you for the three D, and like you know, they had all these little extra things that they would add in. So sometimes it could get and quite pick your own insane scene, for the you know, tickets. like you know. You have that select your own seat and pre-reserve and all that stuff, yes. which I, I actually but it's worthwhile. Yeah, it really is. And I once, mean, especially too, they renovated that and made the seats less seats and bigger, cushier seats. Oh my god, it was like heaven. But yeah, um, yeah, you know, there was another thing that was earlier on, and I'm going to forget a little bit the players in this. I don't think it was Warner, um, was Universal. Maybe I think Universal had sort of started trying to stream some of their stuff and like AMC and a few people I think came out and were like, we're never going to show a universal movie yes, again. And then they backtracked, you know, so there's been some little road bumps this year with things like that. And I'm really curious to see if, and what the fallout of this is going to be, because this is a big group Warner brothers with a lot of big name movies that have a big box office draw and they are kicking theaters in the head right. with this in my estimation i mean they're banking on i i look at it like this my theory is this warner brothers is looking at it like wow the whole world or at least the united states or wherever you can get hbo max is going to be able to get all the movies without having to go to the theaters and i think they're using the model of hey if i sign up for a gym membership i might go for the first month but I'll keep paying and neglect to go over time. And they're getting those residual subscriptions, even though people may or may not be using HBO Max until they get wise and be like, oh, you know what? I, I, I'm either using this a lot or I'm not using it a lot. And people may cancel. So they're going to get revenue from that. But again, still, it's $15 a month if you don't have AT&T Unlimited, which then you get it for free. So it's like, I, I don't know how they're going to make their return on investment. I mean, Dune alone must have cost $200 million, if not more. Here's how they make their investment back, or at least not take as hard a hit on it. They don't need to go to the same level of Marketing? advertising. Yeah. Yes. They don't need to go out and spend, you know, like some of these movies that, that we're talking about, maybe let's say just for a, a fun round number that it cost them $200 million to make. They might go spend another 150, 200 million just to market it. Yeah. And I don't think they're going to be spending that now. Right. I think they'll just, you know, be like, all right, it's on HBO Max. People are going to go there to see it or they'll see it in the theater. I could be wrong. I think that's how they're going to try and, and avoid some of that because I think that they're just looking at this year as like people are still not going to be going out even with vaccines and things on the horizon. I think that's probably where they're thinking of that. And I think the other big push here and the alternate way to look at this is that. HBO Max is trying to compete with Disney Plus. Oh, yeah. And Netflix and, Netflix, and Hulu. Yeah, yeah. And I think that they are just looking at them and going, all right, Disney is Disney. They have Marvel now. They have Fox now. They it's have Star, Star Wars War. now. We need to fight that with fire of our own. And yeah. now they're going to be throwing, you know, obviously all the DC stuff at it and everything else that comes with Warner Brothers. Um, and I don't know. I'm, I'm interested to see how it's going to play out. You know, like another little funny thing I saw the other day is that they are now discontinuing the free trials they've been doing with HBO Max in the lead up to Wonder Woman because they don't want people using the free thing. They want people yeah. to start 
paying and getting on board with it. Yeah. Having just used HBO Max for the first time myself the other day, um, borrowing it from my uh, in-laws, I was over at their house and I was like, let me check this out. I was impressed with it. I mean, I really, you know, I really like comparing it. it Comparing it to something like a Disney Plus or a Netflix, it feels a little clunky right now in their organization, but that's something they can keep tweaking it, over time. It's a little but clunky, the, but also it's a little bit cleaner, and there's not just – like Disney Plus, you log into your user or whatever, you, there's just like so much stuff right in your face. But there's a little bit Well, see, the more... funny part is that's how I felt about this, but the, the one takeaway I feel like I do have on the really positive end is I kept – looking through it, looking through it. I'm like, Oh my God, they've got this. Oh my God, they've got this. Oh my God, they've got this, you know? And there's like a lot of stuff in there that I was not thinking about or expecting to show up in that space where like, I was like kind of like itchy to sign up just to go back and watch like Lois and Clark and (laughs) weird, you know, reruns of shows like that or something, you know, just odd things that were on there. Um, So I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how this whole thing um, pans out over the next year um, and, and what it's going to ultimately do for theaters and theater chains, or if it's going to spell their doom, you know, outside of very specialty theaters and showings. I don't know. It's, it's going to be interesting because if they're doing this, I would be surprised if others don't to some extent follow suit. Right. I mean, like, you, you know, NBC universal has this peacock network now and you get it for free, but it's got like limitations for free. You know, I- I'm curious to see what, you know, universal is going to do with Jurassic world three. Like that's supposed to come out this year. Like how- what are they going to do with it? You know, are they going to dump it out on Peacock as well? That'd be pretty cool. I'm I'm curious because again, with the Marvel movies, they just started filming the, the Hawkeye show in New York city. They're shooting it on Fulton street in downtown Brooklyn. Actually, funny enough, they were at the at the sea station the other day um you know i wonder are they gonna are they gonna do eternals and try to get into just in the theaters are they gonna do a similar format because i think the mulan move didn't work because not enough people paid 30 bucks to see mulan for a weekend knowing that on christmas day it's going to be available for free like i don't know I, I didn't I didn't do it. Yeah, I mean, would you do it if it was Black Widow? Not for 30 bucks. No. Are you sure? Having yeah. just talked about having spent nearly that for like Guardians of the Galaxy and IMAX. Here's the problem. You could sit there and watch it all weekend long. <laughs> Here's the problem, right? So I'm not going to spend 30 bucks to watch a movie at home when I've got, you know, my kids, my wife who's on their cell phone, the the lights aren't, you know, if I could get it for free or at least just with the subscription and I got to pause it every five seconds when somebody's <laughs> yammering away or, you know, talking about this and whatever, sure, I, c- I can live with that. If I got to pay 30 bucks and I got to hear somebody else talking in the room with me, I will get up, leave the room, put it on my cell phone and watch it in someplace in private. And just be because co- And that's not how you want to experience black widow yeah i mean again i guess it's just circumstantial i feel like for me if if it were non-covid i would be seeing it in the theater for probably at least 25 dollars in the imax and again you get the whole imax experience with that so right, that's, right. That's but something. again you know but like when you, when then you go if to you the take theater, like you know when you go to the i theater, mean if you like you're... discount that a bit like let's just say like it's 15 then 
15 and 15 is me and Angie <laughs> seeing it at home. I'm all of a sudden more prone to that 30 price point, but I get it. Yeah. I just, I, I, I like it like this. You know, when we go to the movie theaters, you can shut off the world for two hours. Oh, when, for sure. And, you, and the other thing, especially for like Marvel movies, Star Wars movies, it's part of that experience of everybody like, yeah, you know, I mean, like, you know, like think about like seeing Endgame in the theater and Cap picks up the hammer, oh, you know, everybody goes ballistic. Like, that's the fun part. But you also don't have that right now. So yeah. like in Corona time, I think I would happily pay 30 bucks to see Black Widow because I did it stupidly with Mulan, which is a regret, but I would do it with Black Widow. <laughs> I'm, I'm just surprised that more like the technology is there. I don't know why somebody didn't partner with like Sirius XM and say there's got to be open field somewhere set up a bunch of big screen projectors at rear projection leds or whatever and people could tune in you know they pay to go to drive in in their car they sit in their car and you tune it to sirius and it's crystal clear in your you know eight speaker stereo in your car i don't know why they didn't do like i don't know i'm not you know breaking the bank and brilliant <laughs> idea like i'm just like you know Sirius is starving to keep themselves alive and movie theaters want to keep themselves alive. Partner together, get some big open fields, set up a 40 inch projection screen. And there you go. There you can have people come. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. Well, it's going to be interesting. It's really going to be interesting. I'm personally looking forward to the fact that I can watch all these movies because I'm sitting there and I'm like, I wouldn't see Dune in the theaters. I don't think I would go see In the Heights in the theaters. I don't think I'd see Godzilla versus King Kong in the theaters. Of the list of ones, I would I would probably see Suicide Squad in the theaters. Probably, I would definitely see The Matrix in the theaters. But beyond that, I'm not I'm not sure how many more I would go in the theaters to see. Yeah. Well, again, we'll see how things unfold. It's going to be an interesting next few months here as um, vaccines start to roll out and either things start moving back towards a quasi you know normal version of things or things continue to go way downhill and and maybe the theater industry goes uh bye bye under yeah. i don't know we'll see <laughs> but uh in the meantime i know that um you had a couple uh, of new movies that you have seen that you want to uh chat a little about some aren't super new but some are new um new to you new to, new to me yes so I'll go, I'm not going to go into any particular order. I will save the one that is actually new, new for last. So the first one I watched was uh, Terminator Dark Fate. Okay. I saw that a little while back. I saw it on, on Amazon Prime. I, I liked it. I really liked it. I, I like Mackenzie Davis. And, you know, I thought the way they, they shoehorned Schwarzenegger in there was fine. It was a different version of the T-800 that it age or whatever sure I, I i was all in the only thing that i i thought linda hamilton was hit or miss in some moments she was great in other moments she was not so great and i i love the digital de-aging of her and john connor and how they just killed the kid off the problem with that <laughs> was the the version of john connor that they killed looked younger than the actual kid in the movie from 92 Fun fact, um, that is a 100% CG model. Oh, I believe it. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Which is really impressive. Like, it's actually like we're getting out of that uncanny valley sort of zone now where uh, 
things are starting to look a little a little more realistic i feel like that was that was handled really well yeah uh my hot take on that movie and it's funny that you bring this up because i was just reading an article um again what's the name of the main actress you just said her name and i'm blanking Mackenzie davis thank you uh it was with her and i was actually reading this earlier today and she was talking about um why she feels that the movie didn't do as well as some hoped it would. And I think this boils back down to probably what anybody could guess. And I, I think she's hit the nail on the head is just Terminator series fatigue. Yeah. You know, I, I think a lot of people got burned out on the other sequels that were just, you know, never going to approach the first two in, in, in how good those two movies were. Yeah. Um, And for my money, I actually think this one was, a good worthy successor yeah the first two but still less than yeah the first two and whether it's linda hamilton i don't know you know like the funny part about like how you describe it her being up and down i feel like this whole movie was just up and down like it had moments that were like really cool and moments where i was like all right you know and it was just like i I just kind of was like back and forth but that said it was a a lot better than genesis and some of the other ones so like i like to think of it as the true spiritual successor (laughs) write the other ones out of canon (laughs) yeah no overall i I, it was like i'll give it a a b i wouldn't give it a b plus but i'll give it a b it was good that's fair yeah um second movie i saw another one that was out a while ago and i caught it for the first time on amazon prime again was gemini man i saw that too a while back (laughs) and i really liked it I thought it was pretty good. I'm really, I really enjoyed it. There were certain parts about it that I was like, meh, but most of it I was really, really pleased with. You know, I, I like uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead. I thought um, Will Smith was pretty good. His his buddy, the the pilot, was hilarious. Um, when they digitally de-aged him to like a little boy as like the third version of Gemini Man. Spoiler for everybody who hasn't seen it. Um, <laughs> I was really shocked about that. I was really, I was like, wow, that's pretty impressive how young he looks there. It was cool. Yeah. I mean, this is another one where it was just like, it was just like a fine, fun movie. Like, you know, um, this concept has been done before. Yeah. Um, you know, I'll watch anything with Will Smith. I find him just infinitely entertaining. Even, even movies that are not so great with Will Smith are still completely watchable. Yeah. Um, I know this movie kind of didn't do great critically or necessarily well at the time, but especially like if you're watching it home video, totally a watchable movie, totally yeah. just like a fun flick to catch um, where you can. Um, and the funny thing with me with this movie, and this is going to go back to my book reading thing is I um, got into reading like the um, altered carbon um, series of books, uh, which obviously they also made a Netflix um, adaptation of, um and the gemini man thing pops up in those books in a big bad way um with uh takeshi kovacs who's like the main character i think it's in the third one same basic story where like essentially a younger version of himself is hired to kill the older version of himself so it's very bizarre like watching that after having read that and whatever because it's like wow this is a lot alike but uh yeah no just interesting um interesting movie and it, they did a good they did a fine job with it <laughs> the only thing that I, I i mean i know it was shot at 120 frames per second and it was 
also intended to be like seen in like 6K or 8K. Granted, I don't have a TV that can project that big <laughs> or ha- show in that kind of a frame rate. So I just saw it as you would normally see it, whatever, you know, on your television. And I, I could see where there were certain elements where I could see what Ang Lee was trying to do with like the, you know, ultra high definition and, and you know, high frame rate stuff. But I, it, to me, it didn't really matter. I still thought the movie was good. I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was it was fun. It was not, you know, groundbreaking in any way, as as Pete said, but it's good. You know, I, I had no complaints. <laughs> and so now I'll go on to my third movie that I've seen recently. I did a little bit of binging over the Thanksgiving holiday, which was great. You, you know, I can't complain. Gotta get it in where you can. And uh, this goes back to the actress that I mentioned in, in Terminator, Mackenzie Davis. They, uh, She's in a movie with Kristen Stewart and uh, Dan Levy from uh, Schitt's Creek called Happiest Season, which dropped on Hulu. And it is a Christmas movie or a holiday movie, if you will, about a a gay couple who goes home to meet the, the one daughter's uh, parents, but she doesn't know that she hasn't come out yet. And it's really nice, fun, sweet movie. Like, I really, really liked it. It's a really great Christmas movie and family movie. You got Victor Garver plays the dad. I mean, like, it's, it's he was awesome in it. You know, the cast is really, really good. You have Allison Brie and uh, Aubrey Plaza's in it. It's it's stacked with a good it cast. It sounds like a really good cast. This I have not heard of or seen anything for, so maybe I'll see if I can check that out because it, it, it's checking all the boxes for people that I enjoy in, yeah, it's, in movies for sure. It's fantastic. I really, really like it. It's a sweet movie. It's very, very cute. Uh, it, it takes place in, like, Pennsylvania, and it's just it's a nice movie. It was supposed to be released in theaters, but because of the pandemic, they weren't be, they were worried about not getting an audience and Hulu bought it and dumped it out on Thanksgiving Eve, which is pretty cool. And that's the movies that I've seen recently, which other than watching the Mandalorian, I really haven't watched much <laughs> else. So that's, I was pretty happy about that. There you go. I've got a new movie that I saw. Okay. Are you ready for this? Oh no. Oh boy. (laughs) I saw New Mutants. (laughs) You did? Yes. After all our talk, I was like, gosh, I got to see this. And the funny thing, I don't know why this didn't seem to occur to us, is that you and I were thinking, like, oh, that's clearly headed for Hulu next. But it went to VOD. And I was like, well, of course it went to VOD. Why wouldn't it have gone to VOD? So yes, it popped up on the uh, the VOD market. And I said, oh, after all that uh, talk in the podcast, I definitely have to give this one a try. And you paid um, to watch it? Yes. And uh, my verdict is, it was fine. <laughs> it was fine. Um, it was, look, I I see especially after we talked about the the nuances of what it went through, how it ended up, where it ended up. Um, I'll say, you know, as somebody who is like looking at the original trailer or something I had seen for it, and I told you, I was like, that seemed too spooky for me. That's not in the realm of movies I usually seek out to watch. But in reality, it's less scary or horrifying or whatever than you might think. 
Um, it definitely has a sort of psychological horror sort of weirdness going on throughout the entire thing. And I guess if you're somebody who's a little more versed in who the new mutants are, maybe that makes sense right off the bat. I don't know the new mutants well enough to know if this is true to the characters or not. So I had um, one thing that I learned about this movie that I that sure. kind of turned me off. So should you know we who, throw a spoiler alert up here first? <laughs> uh, I mean, they, they it is the, fresh. <laughs> I, I I saw it actually in a in a like a trailer or a glimpse of it somewhere on YouTube. So if somebody looks, they'll probably see it. Is um one of the characters in the movie is her her character her hero name is like Magic with a K. Um, mm-hmm. and she's Colossus's younger sister, and she's also like somehow linked to hell. Although or... interesting fact in this um continuity, that seems to not be the case. Oh, good, <laughs> great. But the thing that annoyed me is I saw that she is somehow linked to the dragon Lockheed, which yes. is Kitty Pride's like pet or friend, and I'm like. What? What? That's that's wrong. No, that can't. don't do that. <laughs> no. So so it is true. And Lockheed does play a role. I won't go into how deep of a role, but a role in this film. Um, and what was interesting about that is after the fact, I was sitting there saying to myself, wait a minute, Lockheed is a kitty pride, you know, uh, uh, sort of tacked on character. Why is he appearing with this? So I did a little background research. And turns out, while it still isn't necessarily specific to um, her character, um, she's actually the first person to mention Lockheed, who then, when I guess he becomes real in the Marvel Comics universe, then tacks himself to Kitty Pride. So Whoa. interestingly enough, it, it, he sort of starts off with this character of magic and then ends up with with Kitty Pride. So there is some um background to to him being with this character. That said it is a a rewrite of this character and how he functions and comes to be and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um I get the impression that several of the characters in this movie don't 100% match their comics counterparts. Oh, I, I'm pretty sure there's sort of like an amalgam of different versions of different comic book characters. Yeah, I mean, they, I think they mutants. borrowed generally the idea, but, uh, you know, I think, you know, and, and we've seen this elsewhere in, in the X-Men um, movies, particularly in like the uh, new class sort of movies, um, that things are not 100% how they were portrayed um, in the other ones. But uh, suffice it to say, there's enough sort of um allusions to it being part of the greater x-men world where even like the i don't think this is a spoiler to say the the people who are trapped at this um you know sort of mental institution um feel like they're being tested to actually like eventually like join the x-men they keep thinking the higher ups are the x-men and obviously that couldn't be further from the truth we don't i think at the end of the movie ever get told quite who the ultimate big bads are which almost leaves it open for sequels but that will never um, come <laughs> yeah that that are probably not as likely to come yes um although i just heard i think deadpool's moving ahead with disney so if if deadpool's moving ahead there then you know who knows maybe there's hope for some of these other um well, deadpool projects. also made a boatload of money that's so. <laughs> true that's fair yes 
Um, but anyway, um, it's probably worth checking out if you're oh, into superhero movies, if like, you're what, into what? the X universe, like at some I'm point. I'm not going to pay for it, but I'll look for yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I would, I would say anybody should, should give it a shot at some point, but, um, yeah, it, it wasn't something that like I would I would say like you would immediately need to rush out and see. Is this. it better than um, Dark Phoenix? It's apples and oranges, you know what I mean? Because even though it's in the X universe, it doesn't feel like X universe. Like like okay. sure they dropped the name Professor X, and sure they dropped the name X Men, but like if they didn't, this could be a movie that existed in a completely different right universe and setting it really doesn't need to rely on on the x-men so it's hard to compare it to that um that said if you stuck me in front of a tv screen and said you need to watch one of these two movies a second time or i'm gonna shoot you i might watch this one again over dark phoenix um dark phoenix was rough I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I mean, I, the funny part is I really like the Magneto portions of Dark yeah, Phoenix. Yeah, that's about it. I just don't like basically everything else. So yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the tricky end of it. Um, but yeah, <laughs> so that's where I'm at on that. <laughs> so that's the movies we've seen recently. But now let's dive into the meat and potatoes of what we're here to talk about this month or this episode on our box office 30 for December of 1990. So still, obviously, Home Alone is the number one movie going on in the world at this time in, in December of 1990. So again, we had to take a step down to the number two film of December of 1990, which is the really long <laughs> but decent film that won Best Picture that year. Dances with Wolves, starring Kevin Costner and directed by Kevin Costner. Pete, what details you got about this movie? Get, lay it on us. Absolutely. All right. So first of all, uh, it's worth pointing out um, that even though this is number two, it doesn't even come close to Home Alone's number this month. Not even Home close. Alone goes from around 55 last month to doing just 88 million this month alone, just in December. Wow. Dances with Wolves is down at 39. So wow. big, big discrepancy between More than number half. one and like, number two. That's, yes. That's $49 million less. Wow. Yes. So Home Alone is just killing it um, at the box office. That said, yes, Dances with Wolves comes in um, a close, not so close, I was going to say, number two, <laughs> um, with Misery kind of tailing it at 36. But um, Dances with Wolves doesn't do too bad. Um, it uh does 184 million um domestic and uh, same number for worldwide so i'm assuming that means that they did not actually send this out into the world um I, you know i guess you could argue in some ways that maybe the content of this movie at this point in time especially being like a a western movie and and that sort of thing maybe it wouldn't make sense out in the worldwide area so they don't uh, they don't have any other information for it for that i also wonder um, if um because a lot of the film ha features Native Americans, 
and it's subtitled in i think it's either navajo or some of that whatever language they're speaking i wonder if it would have been hard to then convert again to a different language for other nations yeah, i mean I, you know, I guess you could say that with any movie is going to get converted to to foreign locations they're going to have to do subtitles the whole way through so they would just probably replace that um i don't know yeah i don't know why this one didn't seem to travel it'd be interesting to look up um what is worth pointing out is this one um again is not making the money that home alone's making but had a similar budget a 22 million dollar budget which really? if you take into consideration doing a period Western movie, 22 is like, they got a lot done with that. Yeah, it's a, it's a big scale movie. Like the movie is big, I remember. Yeah. It takes place over a long expanse of time and a lot of area. Yes, yeah, so that's uh, that's the main information that we've got for, for Dances with Wolves. Um, you know, we'll talk a lot uh, more about this when we get into... Um, recall and certainly when we do our our review um but uh you know it's it's number two you know (laughs) i mean it it got its way to the top of the list you know as i mentioned i do believe it won best picture this year right and i think he got best director for it as well yeah i you know and again we'll talk more about this when we get to the recall section i do remember it being despite being dwarfed by home alone as far as pure numbers go i do remember it being a phenom at the time there was a lot of people talking about it at the time and it was a it was a big deal movie and i think probably critically if you started going back through lists of the top movies from 1990 i think critically you're going to always find this way up, up towards there. the top yeah. yeah um so it you know it definitely did well for itself I, I think what's interesting is in a alternative earth we could have been talking about misery this month instead, because again, it's, it's literally the difference between $3 million between these two movies for the second and third place um, spots. And for my money, I'd probably prefer to talk dances with wolves over misery (laughs) just because misery is so cringy. (laughs) Um, But uh, you know, it is, it is interesting, but you know, the first three movies are, are all carryovers from November. The first, um, true new movie going down the list um is kindergarten cop which will be our top movie to discuss next month oh good in january so this <laughs> I love that comes movie. out How, wait yes wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute so so i get to do dances with wolves yes. as the notes Congrats. and you yep. get to do kindergarten cop Yep. <laughs> How did I draw the short straw on that one? <laughs> I, you know, I wouldn't worry too much about it. I'm sure we'll uh, we'll have some flips on that. It seems bad right now, but uh, as time goes on, I'm sure uh, things will will flip on me again. <laughs> I, I, I don't buy it, folks. I don't buy it. He's got this system rigged. <laughs> I, I think you were the one that suggested I do the notes for this. So you would do the next month. I think you just you put your painted yourself in a corner with that one. <laughs> yeah, I think I did. I really, he, I really, we were kind of talking about it, and I was I was about to suggest to him we should start like alternating the notes just to make uh, things a little easier and spread the uh, load. And then he beat me to it, and he's like, "I did the notes last time. You know, you want to take these ones?" I was like, "All right, <laughs> I'll, I'll do Home Alone." What he didn't think of was the long game. <laughs> I did not. I did that. I was trying to be lazy one month, and now I really <laughs> set myself up for for failure. But but I mean, uh, we'll, we'll save Kindergarten Cop to talk a little bit more about uh, next month because that's definitely a a a big favorite movie of a lot of people. There's a lot um, of movies that came out this month, though. Descendants is true. Was a stacked and it, the month. way I 
sort of um, mention this because I think it's going to come up later towards the end of our show is there's a few movies that really snuck in under the wire here right in the last uh, week or two weeks of yeah. of December that kind of had big, big names. And the other one of those that I would point out uh, among certainly others, but um, <laughs> another one that really snuck in there is Godfather Part 3, which is number six on our list. And um, which came out on Christmas out Day. Day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. December 25th does uh, $26 million in business. Um, so good for them. <laughs> you know, if you look at some of these ones like Kindergarten Cop, like Godfather 3 that are coming out that very end of December, they're still putting up, you know, pretty decent numbers for really having just a few days to do that in. Yeah, no, it, that's, a, that's a lot of money to make in essentially five or six days. That's a lot of money back then. Yes. Then the next one down the list we have is Look Who's Talking 2. And it's not the number two. It's two as in also. T-O-O. As well. <laughs> yeah, and obviously, you know, we we talked uh, uh, about Mr. Uh, Mr. Potty um, <laughs> from last episode. So it was it kind of cracked me up then that this uh, then was in this month's list because I kind of was not piecing that those two had come out Neither um, did quite I. so close together. Um, but, uh, you know, yeah, another just kind of fun comedy movie. Um, we had mentioned last episode, I, I don't like that necessarily as much as the, uh, first one, just because, Agreed. um, uh, I don't like Roseanne, Roseanne Barr yeah. character yeah. was yeah. a little off putting and certainly as time has told, I guess Roseanne has done other things to kind of <laughs> get herself not in the good graces of, uh, of humanity on the whole, but, uh, at least at that point in time, as a, as a younger kid, just something about the way that that baby talked and acted just did not took, appeal to me. So took me out of the movie big time. <laughs> so the next one on the list is uh, a huge um, all time favorite of mine. And certainly one of my um, very favorite movies by this director, which is Edward Scissorhands. Really? This is one um, of your favorites? <laughs> oh, you don't, you don't think this is one of your favorite Tim Burton's or anything? No, <laughs> I don't like this movie. Oh wow, really? I so this is where like you and I are going to go definitely separate all. ways. <laughs> yeah, no, I I really like Edward Scissorhands. I'm not going to say it's in like a top 10 or a top 20 of my all-time favorites or anything like that, but I will watch this if it's on. Absolutely. I I, like it, this and, movie scares actually, me. Um, I won't watch it. Well, you know, I, it scared me when I was younger. I mean, like that's a, that's an interesting, you know, version of looking at it is again through the the 30-year prism. The first time I saw this movie, I think it scared the bejesus out of me. As an adult, I appreciate a lot of the uh, Tim Burton kitschy humor end of it, I think, more so. Um, and I think this is one where the stock went up for me because my other half is a huge fan of this movie. I think this is really? probably her Tim Burton movie. Really? Um, yeah. So, you know, this is one um, that we've on occasion even watched around this time of year because it's almost a Christmas movie in a way. Like it's kind of got a little bit of that, that sort of Tim Burton feel to it. It's got like a wintry feel to it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, and I, you know, I think we'll throw it out there. We'll pitch it to the listeners. Maybe I'll throw a poll up somewhere. This would be a good one to throw a poll. Uh, listeners, team Michael or team Pete, or where do you fall on Edward Scissorhands? <laughs> I'd be curious to see where people land on this one. But uh, no, I, I see where you're coming from. You know, as a kid, it, it was, yeah, it scared me a lot. As an adult, I, I, I find it to be a lot more endearing, I think, mm -hmm. is, is where I'd sort of 
um, land on this one. Um, and again, I've got other Tim Burton movies that I do like better uh, than Edward Scissorhands, but like it's probably in top five Tim Burton movies for me. Okay, I'll I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll agree to disagree, but it's fine. <laughs> so moving on down, we've got The Rookie in ninth place. This is a December 7th release. Um, this was a good movie. Um, it's a good movie. It's it's not great, but it's a good movie. It's got Clint Eastwood in it. You can't go wrong there. Yeah, Charlie Sheen. Yep. Yeah. You know, it's you know, uh, it's definitely a, a product of its time. Um, you know, that's probably as much as I have to say on that one. There's been not a few be, not, not to be confused movies. with. Yeah, there's rookie, often time associated with baseball. Like there's rookie. That's a better is, movie. Yeah, <laughs> and then there's rookie of the year, another baseball. Yes, movie. that that's the best movie listed so far out of the yes. rookie movies. <laughs> yes, agreed, agreed. Um, so the next one down the list is a movie called Mermaids. Is that the one with the? the I don't know what this movie is. is this... <laughs> oh, this um, is the, oh, this is the one with the share, isn't it? Like, isn't shared? Yes, movie? this is not to be confused with Splash. Yes, uh, which is another '90s mermaid movie, and I think there's even another that's <laughs> is called it '90s the or mermaid '80s or something. I think it, it I might think be '80s. That's yeah, you might be right on that. Um, although we're, you know, obviously we're at the, the fringe of the '80s here. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a little bit of a, a blurry zone there. Yeah. Um, but uh, yes, I, I don't know this one so well. You might be right that it's with Cher. I, I, I know it's with Cher, but beyond it. that, I don't know what it's. I think it's with like Cher and. Uh, What's her face from Beetlejuice? I think I did see it at some point. Again, one of these like Pix Eleven afternoon movies at some point, but it's it's long since floated out of my head. I, I have no recollection really mm. <laughs> for that one. So there's a few more um, interesting movies to kind of point out that came out um, during uh, December in in the rest of this portion of the list. Um, one of them that stands out to me is Bonfire of the Vanities. Yes. Um, I, I like this movie. It's it, I haven't watched it in probably 20 years, but I, it's got Tom Hanks. It's got uh, Bruce Willis. It's got uh, Melanie Griffith. You know, pretty good cast for, you know, uh, an average movie. But it's fine. I don't mind it. Yeah. And then um, aside from that, there's also The Russia House, which is a Sean Connery movie. And obviously... Um, we lost Sean lately, so I, I bring that up at least to just uh, wish him well on his way out into the universe, uh, because uh, you know I, you and I are both big fans of of his and his movies. I, I just um, ordered. I'm not gonna lie. I just ordered his uh, his James Bond one six scale Hot Toys figure. Ooh, yeah. From Doctor. I mean, Ho. while we're while we're on the Hot Toys aside, I don't know if I should point this out. I just got first hot toy <laughs> I, I already know about this who do yes. you think helped facilitate oh this? no i i know but i don't i didn't know if you then on the back end learned that it was that it was happening so michael has been on me for the longest time to uh fall down the hot toys hole um as it were and uh, i'm finally making the plunge it's my uh birthday in a couple of days and uh, my wife came to me and she's like your your boyfriend has been on me about this <laughs> she's like is there something you've been looking for and i was like i really like this mandalorian deluxe and she's like all right do it <laughs> yeah it, it's shipping early too it's shipping soon so you should get it yeah so it, yeah i've got that pre-order in so so there's that yeah, so um, I, but I, I I'll, that. you'll have to show me the uh the sean connery one i have yeah. not uh 
I, I've I not also, seen that one. I also did something else today with Hot Toys. <laughs> they uh they re-released the Dark Knight Bat Pod. Oh. For and I pre-ordered that sucker. It won't be Very here. Very nice. It'll be here in 2022. But I got something to look forward to. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> so yeah, uh, I, I I was like, it was announced, like, oh boy, uh, I kind of need it. <laughs> so yeah, did that. Yeah, pulled that trigger. Um, but anyway, hot toys are a hell of a drug. <laughs> they are. They are a hell of a drug. But it was been, you know, I've been good. I sold off a lot of my my Funko Pop, so I justified it. It's okay, and it's actually not that go. expensive. It's pretty pretty cheap. It's it's cheaper than the Mandalorian. Funny enough. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's the funny thing, and I know that we're getting way off topic here, but I feel I like hot care. toys are in this like funny zone where for the quality and the just utter fantastic art um that they're putting out in the world there, the prices are not that bad. <laughs> you know right? what I mean? Um and so it it's in this zone where they're like, Yeah, we know how to get you. <laughs> <laughs> so I okay. wanted to point back, out back to the yes. topic at hand. <laughs> so I, I wanted to point out a movie that's a little bit further down the list, but also came out in December. It's a movie called Awakenings. I'm so happy that you brought this one up, yes. <laughs> and I love this movie. This is one of those movies that I must have watched it. 10 times as a kid it's got robin williams robert de niro i mean what more could you ask for and <laughs> it is a great film i, I love this movie. yes uh, i i am gonna mirror um your sentiments exactly because i was about to bring this one up before you did so <laughs> this this is There's... a movie that if you haven't seen it you should see it like it's wonderful it's a good movie and it's not it's only two hours long i mean it's it moves nice it's really really good this movie was in my mind what should have been best picture in 1990 because it's so that's saying a lot wow well there you go um moving slightly down the list from that um we have uh hamlet uh comes out this month um, this is the one that was mel gibson Correct. Yes. So this is the 1990s Hamlet. <laughs> um, this is obviously a property that's been done um, a couple a of gazillion times. times. Yes. Um, it's fine. You know, fine. it's got Glenn Close uh, in it as well. Um, let's see here. What else have we got? Yeah, because it's interesting. There's a bunch of little things that popped out sort of towards the end. Um, I'm trying to think if I really remember or recognize any of the rest of these. No, I got nothing. Uh Green card, no. Alice, green card's no. passing familiar. I think that was a Disney movie. Um, no, but I don't that, remember. Was that it blank so well. check though? <laughs> is that blank check you're thinking of? No, no, no green, blank check. Uh, green card is, is not a Disney movie. Green card no? is with with Gerard Depardieu and uh, oh, what's that girl's name? I think it's like uh, Andy. Like, no, uh, what's her name? But I know it's Andy McDowell, yeah. That's yeah, Andy McDowell, right? And uh, yeah, I think he's trying to get citizenship or whatever, and needs to marry her to get get U.S. citizenship from that. Yeah, that's not a Disney movie. Um, <laughs> okay, I'll take your word for it. Yeah. Um, and then to to finish out our list here, because there's a few other items, but I think we're we're good at this point. Oh, the bottom. We've one got the very bottom one we always have to do it and this uh this month doesn't disappoint we have a movie called Diamond's Edge which does uh $10,926 in 30 theaters 
and goes on from there to do a grand total of 12,751. And because we've been doing these, um, uh, you know, movie pitches, uh, I'll, I'll happily do this one. When the man who left a package in his care is murdered, Detective Tim Diamond suddenly has every major gangster in the city after. Wait a minute. Didn't we talk about this one already? <laughs> this is the bottom of last month, too. <laughs> so it's the bottom Whoa. of two months. <laughs> so this is a new one for us because I was like, I was going to do the whole thing. But you know what? It was so unremarkable. I actually forgot it until I started doing this reading of it. Yeah, this is, I think, the first time we've had the complete garbage one at the bottom end up the complete garbage one at the bottom a second month in a row. So, well, so, congrats, but, Diamond Edge. That That's but, like a uh, brand new award. <laughs> I, I have a fun thing to point out. So it says that this movie was released on November 30th to December 2nd, meaning that it kind of like rolled out a couple different theaters of these 30 theaters. And it was in release for 35 days. Interesting. So it so, may pop up mean- again in November. I mean, yeah, January. I mean, does this mean that because I now I got to go back and look at November to see what the uh, the number was, because that's going to make me itchy. Oh, no, I guess, it, you know, it was on the bottom of the list with eighteen hundred. So, I mean, essentially, that's that's how it did this. It, it yeah. opened on the last day of the month. So that's how it got past me. And it, it snuck in there. Well, boo to Diamond's Edge. So I'm going to move to the second bottom of the list one then <laughs> so uh, the second to the last one on the list is called the long walk home and this is a miramax film and it does fifty-eight thousand one hundred eighty-two in its opening and goes on to gross four million eight hundred seventy-three worldwide so that's actually um fairly respectable um i feel like this one's vaguely <sighs> Yeah, this is with Sissy Spacek and Whoopi Goldberg. Um, I feel like I remember this actually kind of being a thing. So maybe this is another one that just got a late start um, and therefore has ended up at the very, very bottom when it necessarily didn't deserve that. Well, listen to this. I mean, listen to what it's about. Two women, black and white, in 1955, Montgomery, Alabama, must decide what they are going to do in response to the famous bus boycott led by Martin Luther King. Yeah, so, I mean, again, maybe this one's just at the bottom of the list, not for quality, but for just bad timing. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was you know, well, it only went to 272 theaters. Yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's you know, Miramax is on there, so this is probably doing the indie theater run, yeah. and it's a December 22 release, so again, it's up against quite a few yeah. other movies. You so, know? Up against The Godfather, Home Alone. I mean, like, that's kind of tough. That's a, that's yeah, a, that's a, so. That's tough sledding for anything. It might have just gotten in its little one there. So, I don't know. I guess we uh, we kind of um, failed for December 1990 on having a, a, a really poor a real, movie. A real stinker. <laughs> Except for Diamonds as just taking the, uh, the win for the second month in the row. But, so. but the fact that it hit the movies twice... I think we got to watch this movie at some point if we can find it. If you can find it. <laughs> well, before we watch that, we have a much longer movie to watch. Oh, so why don't boy. we start talking about that one in this month's Total Recall. Okay, so as we've teased, our movie of the month is Dances with Wolves starring Kevin Costner also directed by Kevin Costner, also 
produced by Kevin Costner, I believe, as well. <laughs> is this it, one of these uh, uh, film school movies where it's like written by, directed by, filmed by, edited by? <laughs> I think Best he did write by. it too. I think I think he may have been involved in the writing of the film too. It's it's I I am I am a huge Kevin Costner fan, like huge fan fan of his. I think everything he does, I have to see. This is probably my least favorite of his films. And that's the, and that's saying so above, the worst of the best for you. <laughs> like so like that's putting Waterworld and The Postman above this movie. Just okay. because they're more fun. I happen to really like Waterworld. <laughs> I like Waterworld too. Um so just to fill in some of those blanks for you just so we have it correct on record. So this is in fact directed and produced um by Kevin Costner. Um, it's a screenplay by Michael Blake. Um, it's based on Dances with Wolves by Michael Blake. So I'm assuming that he's a, uh, novel a novelist author, um, that wrote this and then, um, went on to adapt it. Um, of note, he won the Academy Award for best adapted screenplay for this. Um, let's I hope see. so. He yes. wrote it. <laughs> yes, he knows how to make it into a movie. <laughs> Starring Kevin Costner, Mary McDonnell, Graham Greene, and Rodney Grant are sort of the some of the main names that are tacked on here. Music by John Barry, cinematography by Dean Semler, edited by Neil Travis. Um, there's a few names in there that I, I recognize from other stuff around this time. Um, another interesting gap to fill in for you, um, just so we can get the record straight. No Navajo <laughs> in this film. Uh, the languages for this are English, Lakota, and Pawnee. Oh, it's okay. All right. Well, I thought so it, there right, you go. Give me a. <laughs> all right, well. I, and listen, I'm not trying to misappropriate things. I just didn't remember. That's I just thought. Yes. that's what it was. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't remember. Just put it. But this out. is this is I think going to be one of our our good first challenges on this movie because there is some things I think to get right about this in in light of how things are in 2020 versus how things were in 1990 and kind of the way that we would look at a movie like this. Um, and I think that's going to be one of the more interesting um, explorations for you and I on this one. You know, I think we've had some fun with some of the past titles kind of um, picking and poking at, at, at goofy things on, on those, but I think this one, and I think how I'm going to kind of approach rewatching this one is sort of, through the the current prism and sort of like, yeah, you know, what are some interesting takeaways um, that you can kind of, you know, look at this through a different prism and through somebody else's perspective now and, and how that might affect how you watch this movie and kind of the takeaways you would have from it. So I think it, I think it'll be a, a, a fun and interesting experiment to sort of look at it through that lens. Yeah, no, I think so too. So do you want me to go first on what I can recall about this movie or do you want to go first? I tell you what, I'll, I'll throw some stuff out there just to, because I know that um, on the fairness scale of things that you're going to have to <laughs> spend a lot of time with pencil and paper on this one. So um, uh, Mike and I were chatting that neither one of us, despite <laughs> the, the size and, and the uh, um, awarded nature of this movie recalled a ton about it. Um, so the, the portion that at least I recall um, is that he's a military man. I don't recall exactly his position in the it's military. Civil War. It's Civil War. I know yes. he's a Civil War soldier. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if he's a captain or a 
sergeant, but yeah, it's something sort of soldier. Yeah, and um, you know, obviously during that period of time, not only is civil war happening, but there's still a lot of westward expansion. And obviously, while um, you know, we're dealing with everything that comes along with civil war and and everything that entails. Um, there's obviously also a lot happening with the Native American population. And, you know, I think a lot of that um, gets overshadowed um, in sort of popular culture history. So uh, one plus for this movie is I think it did take a um, better inside look um, at how that culture might be portrayed. And again, I, I don't know necessarily that it's portrayed 100% accurately. I'd like to think that it's portrayed, you know, in a positive light, at least versus a negative light. You know, I feel like so, so, so many movies that I had seen up to this point in my life when I was young and watching this movie for the first time. Um, you know, cowboys were the good guys. Indians were the bad guys, you know, it was sort of the whole thing, you know, and I, I think it was really before a lot of people were starting to get away from those tropes and, you know, recognize Native Americans as Native Americans and sort of the really wonderful culture that they did have and, and how it was very intruded on. Um, so I, I think this movie does a lot, you know, for this point in time to start at least in a maybe insubstantial way, starting to shine a light on some of that and kind of give people a different um, version to look at it. Obviously, it's through the um, looking glass of the, you could argue, the uh, white savior trope, which isn't great mm -hmm. in nowadays sort of standards of, of looking at these things. Um, or, you know, if not the white savior, then at least like um, through the white man's eyes discovering this culture sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, there's baggage that comes with that, and it, it might not be as favorable a way to portray um these individuals in this culture um and i i think one of the things i am sort of hoping to look up alongside this movie is um sort of how that stuff pans out like it, how accurate is this movie to how they feel the culture um was portrayed and things like that so I, I'm i'm curious to see how it was in the film and i'm curious to try and go back and do some research and see you know where it really comes out in the grand scheme of things, because I think it, it you could do you that know, research. I'll be taking notes. <laughs> that's fine. No, I'll do that. Yeah, no, that, that'll be how we'll divide it up. That that's fine. Um, because I, I just, you know, I'm really curious now. And, and this is, you know, I think one of the fun things from this podcast and looking at these different movies is, yeah, it's a little bit going back and watching, you know, dumb movies that we haven't seen in 30 years, but I, I think it's an interesting thing to kind of be able to look back on something like this now and, and sort of see like, you know, where it sort of stands in, in the 2020 scheme of things. Um, I remember that he becomes um, a part of their culture that he, through means I don't a hundred percent recall whether it's that he has a fight with them or something, but I don't know. He ends up as part of um, this particular group um, of native Americans and kind of starts trying to learn to communicate with them and starts learning their language and, teaching them his and it, it's kind of like this journey of discovery and, and sort of um, adapting his way of thinking to a different way of thinking. Um, and at a point he gains the name dances with wolves that becomes sort of his 
name in the tribe um, because he has some interaction with a wolf that I don't 100% recall. I can, I can probably, this is, when you're done, I'll see what I can remember. I have a few okay. little quips. No, I'm I'm fairly close to done. Um, I I think um, you know he starts a family. I feel like, um, or or at least he starts a relationship um, in the tribe, and then I think ultimately at the end of the film, uh, the army kind of catches up with them, and he either is kind of forced to rejoin them or he accidentally leads them back to them. And I don't know. I remember it kind of ending on a, a sad note. Um, maybe <laughs> I think that's kind of where I'm, I'm at. That's kind of most of what I can remember. I feel like at this point about it. <laughs> so what I can recall is that he's in the civil war and he gets stationed at this outpost in the middle of nowhere. I don't even know what state, but let's, let's say it's like, Utah or the Dakotas or something like that, right? And he's literally there by himself, and he spends a lot of the time in the beginning of the movie by himself alone, and there's this wolf that keeps coming up and he has to, like, feed him, whatever, and, like, he befriends the wolf as kind of like a pet, kind of like a dog, and then the Native Americans are watching him, and that's where they get the name that they, like, like he plays with this wolf, and that's what they call him the dance of wolves name um beyond that he finds out that there's a a caucasian woman who is um a part of the tribe that she was kind of like adopted by the chief and he meets her and falls in love with her and teaches her how to speak english and she teaches him how to speak their language and they learn about each other's cultures and so on and so forth and then at some point this the 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 union troops like find him and they because he's like kind of abandoned his post at this point they take him back and try to get him back into the military and he rebels and i think the the, the union soldiers either destroy their village and with that because then like at the end of the movie they're kind of like forced to like find a new home i think is what i recall yeah, well, and again, like, you know, that's kind of where I was roughly remembering things to be. And a lot of um, the stuff that was going on at that time had to do with a lot of um, relocation sort of um, initiatives and things like that with the government. So that's why I couldn't remember if this one really had to do specifically with the Civil War, if it was just Civil War era, or if it was specifically some of these groups that were, you know, forcing a lot of Native Americans into these forced relocations to other spots or things. I, I, so. I think what happens is at some point is he's at this outpost for so long, the war actually had ended. And mm. then they like come out to get him at some point to bring him back to reassign him or whatever. And that's when they find him like not in his uniform and, you know, participating in the in the tribe's culture and so I that's kind of what I think, but I'm not it's a very foggy. That's why when I do rewatch this in what I'm figuring is going to be like a seven part series for me to finish the whole thing. <laughs> I, I'll have a better perspective, but I think that's, yeah, you better get went. started early. Like that's the nice thing is we're finally recording one of these podcasts like a week early. So we're not yeah. doing it last minute. So you got a, you got a weekend here ahead of you. 
and then a couple more weekends ahead of you that you might be able you probably got like a good two weekends ahead of you here that you could try and uh oh good great see if you can squeeze it in or something (laughs) sounds wonderful yes well um because you and i are both pretty fuzzy on this i thought we would go over and um do something we've done uh, a couple times here before and that is our preview review So, Michael, I've sent you a link um, here to the good old YouTubes. I heard so that my eardrums the, uh, popped when, when I got the notification chime. <laughs> nice. <laughs> like, we've oh. got this uh, uh, classic trailer, 1990s trailer for Dances with Wolves. So uh, I figured I would um, count us down when we're ready here and we'll uh, queue it up. And you listeners at home, if you're listening near a, an iPhone or a computer and you want to see if you can queue it up with us as well you can also do that this is like the uh bandango movie clips classic trailer <laughs> um so uh you got it ready it's loading and uh, i i'm working on an older computer and it's in a bad spot on my wi-fi so <laughs> we'll see how it goes but I, I am queued up so whenever you're ready count us okay. down three two one Ooh, orion I used to love the Orion logo. Me too. I got like a series of nice dramatic shots. That you've been decorated, and they sent you here to be posted. Actually, sir, I'm. Ooh, look at that mustache. Why? I've always wanted to see the frontier. Do you want to see the frontier? This guy looks familiar. Yes, sir. Before it's gone. There ain't nothing here, Lieutenant. Everybody's run off and got killed. What about well, he's a lieutenant. Yeah, he's got uh, dreams of what the frontier is going to be like. Oh, so this is... Oh, yeah, all right, so there's that woman. Yeah, I remember her vaguely now. So it seems... Oh, Jesus. <laughs> it seems like uh, he had accidentally or... or out of force nature had to kill one of those members of their tribe so maybe that's how he ends up there mm-hmm. with the rest this music's a little wonky it's, for the nature of this it does not <laughs> sell the movie very well oh I remember that guy he's villain Oh, lost his head. In 1864, a man went looking for America and found himself. Gosh, this would be one I'd be curious if they have a making of anywhere. I'd be curious how they were doing some of these shots with the buffalo running and things like that. This music is not fitting this trailer no, at all. I can't hear actual music from the film, or if this is just something they stuck on the trailer. This must be trailer music. That is loud. <laughs> this is loud Silhouette trailer music running here. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, 
it definitely there's some imagery there that like you know it's it's like bringing back uh, old memories you know um so I, i'm happy to to go and see this again um because you know there's a few faces and a few things in that that i'm like oh yeah i remember that i remember that so you know what uh, this, this trailer felt like though uh like like an honest trailer kind of a news <laughs> like this is how the movie really is supposed to be portrayed but this is not exactly what actually happens in the movie <laughs> yeah you know I'll have to see it again to kind of put like a a feeling or a theme on it. Doesn't he self-narrate a lot of the film, like almost as if he's like writing a diary? I think he's writing a journal in the whole movie. And yeah, so there's another good recall. It just popped into my head. You know, there's a certain feeling that comes into this movie via that avenue that this trailer being mostly dialogue free it's almost entirely just shots, um, lots of, um, you know, pretty shots, lots of panoramic sort of things, you know, frontier sort of shots. Um, a few key points where somebody's talking or conversing or doing things. It's another one of these ones, funny enough, and you and I have said this before, where they're giving away a lot of the film plot beats. Mm-hmm. You know, like they have like the scene in there where like, and I, I'm probably going to be off, but like where he like, you know, comes back to his wife who becomes his wife, whatever sort of thing um, at, at a point and like falls off the horse and like grabs her and things like that. You know, there's definitely like a lot of little things in there that, that are like key moments from the film that they're showing there by sort of putting it in this like, I don't know, the word that's coming into my head is lackadaisical. This sort of mm-hmm. lackadaisical sweeping score that's kind of over. Yeah. This it I don't know it's kind of like a boring trailer. <laughs> it was a very boring. It was a very boring. Tra- it was a long trailer too. Uh, you know, and again, like maybe there would be people out there that would argue this is a long and boring movie. So maybe a long and boring trailer <laughs> matches yeah. that. Yeah. I yeah. don't know. I mean, I I have fonder memories of this movie. I don't I don't remember it necessarily being in the in the tough to watch category. I think it was like interesting enough to watch at the time. Yeah. I don't know how I'm going to fare with it this time. I don't know how you're going to fare with it this time. We, but I feel like we I shall don't know. see. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, listen, I'm interested to rewatch it. I'm again, you you kind of said it right. Like to look at it now with a 2020 lens and seeing it as an adult and seeing it, you know, more aware of the the reality than what may have been the reality that we would have known in 1990. Yeah, I mean, again, my my hopeful version of going into this is that it actually does. A, a good job of portraying the stuff in a non-egregious fashion. <laughs> I don't know what it's going to be in, in reality because I just really don't remember it well enough. Um, so we'll see. <laughs> we'll have to uh, rewatch and review and you'll all have to come back and meet us here for that. Yeah. <laughs> So Pete and I were trying to figure out how we would close out December of 1990, because this is the end of this year. Though we haven't done a full year's worth of movies, we wanted to go down a list of our favorite movies of 1990. 
And you might agree with some of them. You might disagree. We might disagree with I'm each sure other. You and I might agree or disagree. <laughs> so are we going to go ranking them or just rifle them off what we feel so like? So you'll, you'll tell me if you want to do it differently. Here's the way I thought we'd do it. We're going to come up with a, a top 10 list. I don't know that all 10 are going to be unique because you and I might have a little crossover. Right. Um, there's a lot of great movies in 1990, so it's possible we entirely don't cross over. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought what we would do is start off with number five on our list okay. and work towards number one, unless you don't necessarily I, have it in that order. I, I have mine too. in a rough one to five order, which is kind of special for me because usually I struggle to put things in order, but I actually have my stuff in a, in a top five order. Okay, cool. All right. Uh, you go first. Okay. So uh, first of all, I should say that I, even though I did come up with a top five order, I struggled to do so because mm-hmm. there is so, so many great movies that came out um during 1990 and i think if you asked me in 1990 my list would be very different than what it's going to be now i think if you even asked me 10 years ago this list might be different than what it is now so i actually have a few runners up but i thought i'll i'll save my runners up i don't know should i do my runners up yeah do the runners up go go for that yeah i have i have four runners up um because that's how incisive i was i kind of got my list down to under 10 but then i was like trying to really feel out where I fell on these things. So in no particular order for my runners up, I have Edward Scissorhands, Home Alone, Dick Tracy, and Godfather Part 3. Now, (laughs) the fact that Home Alone landed in that portion of the list might be questionable for some people. Um, I love Home Alone. So it, it, it definitely was a hard thing to cut and pull and push out of that list. The one thing I will say is that I still watch Home Alone every year. I obviously yeah. watched it twice this year. <laughs> you know what I mean? So like the fact that it didn't make the top five is only because numbers. <laughs> so mm-hmm. yeah. uh, it, it, it should have probably been number six in, in that list. But I, the other movies that fall into my top five, just for various other reasons, hold really special places in my mind. And again, maybe if you ask me about this list another year from now, the list order would change. Um, and I would say the same thing even about Godfather. You know, I'm a huge fan of the Godfather trilogy. Maybe three is not my favorite of the bunch, but fabulous movie. So that's kind of where my my outliers are. Do you happen to have any that, that sort so of land I, outside I, of your... I have, a, I have a couple of outliers okay. that are runners up. Dick Tracy was also one of my runners up in no particular order. Sure. Uh, Miller's Crossing was another one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was one of my runners up. <laughs> I and see that's the one I was thinking about when I was going to say if you asked me in 1990 because that I I definitely love that movie and I've been like thinking about showing it to Zoe but I keep trying to think to myself like especially taking into her own particular considerations as a 7-year-old and and just who she is as a person and I haven't been able to bring myself to show it to her yet where some of these other ones I I don't know. I obviously showed her Home Alone. You know, I've been considering should I show her Edward Scissorhands? I think that one might be still too scary for her. But uh, and- Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, I, I should really add that in as a as a fifth runner up because uh, you know it is a fabulous movie and I love that to death as a kid. And my fourth runner up is Back to the Future Part Three. Okay, not that it's not a great movie. It's just 
as opposed to the first two, I don't think it's as rewatchable as the other two, in my opinion. Fair enough. Okay. Okay. What is your number so, five? So number five, the official list here now. Number five, and again, this is what I mentioned earlier. It's skated in just under the wire is going to be Kindergarten Cop. Okay. Um, and again, we're going to talk more about this one next month, so I'm not going to spend too much time on it now, but uh, infinitely rewatchable, infinitely quotable. Uh, a movie that I loved when I saw it the first time, a movie that I love now. Um, and uh, it's just one of, you know, I, we talked about this when we were talking about Total Recall that um, I love Arnold Schwarzenegger, but I tend to like him even better in some of his comedic stuff than some of his action stuff. And this is probably the top of the chart for me for some of his comedic um, films. So uh, the fact that this came out in the same year as Total Recall, which is probably the top of the chart for me for his action movies it's a great year for pete labrosi and arnold schwarzenegger so my number five was awakenings like i said i already thought All that right. I, this is a great movie i really that's great i'm happy movie. that made that list for you yeah. and uh so we both yeah. started off with one that skirted in right under the end of the uh yeah. year wire there <laughs> what's your number four all right number four for me and this is where things some people might start really disagreeing with me is going to be goodfellas um, Okay. Again, another fabulous movie. And again, if you're in the top 20 movies in 1990, you're doing well because there's just so many good things to pick from. But I love Goodfellas, another one that I will watch over and over again of the um, Italian mobster movies out there. Love this one to death. Uh, My wife loves this one to death. We've definitely bonded over this movie. Um, So uh, Goodfellas is definitely strong top one for me here for the list. My uh, my number four was Kindergarten Cop. Okay. (laughs) So we flip-flopped a little on that one. That's fine. That's fair. All right. Going down the list, number three, The Hunt for Red October. Um, Now, when we talked about this in the box office 30 segment a few months back, I mentioned it was one of my favorite movies. This is, um, I had seen it previous to this, but this is the first movie that I watched when I got my first Blu-ray um, is one of the first movies I got acquired and watched on Blu-ray, not Blu-ray, DVD, mm-hmm. <laughs> even further back, DVD player. I had my dad watch it with me. Love this movie. Love Sean Connery in this movie. Love Alec Baldwin in this movie. Uh, it's one of the Jack Ryan films, um, probably mm-hmm. the best in my mind of the Jack Ryan films. Yeah. Um, it, just a great, great movie. And it it, it was so such a perfect movie as like a you know young adolescent version of me watching this again first time i would have seen this would have been afternoon movie um on pix 11 and i just loved this to death then i love it to death now i would happily rewatch it anytime um so this one is definitely way up there on the list for me how about you number three my number three is home alone okay i just it's one of those movies that it's infinitely rewatchable it's so fun it's so funny like it's so quotable that it's it had to be my top five list. Not to say that it, that there was others that were close, but it's up there. So, okay. Fair what's enough. your what's your number two? All right, number two for me for 1990 is Total Recall. Really? <laughs> Obviously, yes. We started this uh, this movie off or this movie podcast off in a in a big bad way on that one, and I, I don't need to say much more um if you want to hear how much i love that movie you can go back to those two or the first episode it's really just the first episode because we didn't do two for that one that was before we did the uh 
two episode format. I, I actually don't know how we spent as little time on that in the grand scheme of things as as we have, because some of these other podcasts have clearly uh, like last month, I think I said to Michael, um, very ironically, the runtime of both the first and second part almost ended up exactly the same. I think they were both like an hour 46 or something like that. Something like that so yeah. I think we did an hour 46 on total recall back in, in way back in the beginning. So uh, I don't know how we didn't do a two parter for that one, given all that we covered for that. But uh, love total recall. One of my all-time favorite Schwarzenegger movies, one of my all-time favorite 90s action movies, uh, need not say any more. Go back and check out our Total Recall episode for more. <laughs> How about so, you? Number two. You're, this is a wild card. <laughs> Pacific Heights. Interesting. I love Michael Keaton, and it's a great movie. I mean, I just think it's a really good movie. And he's he's like terrifying in it but he's so good that's why i had to be on all right yeah i can see that yeah this guy with his keaton i i can't take that away from you <laughs> do you want to take a wild stab in the dark at what my number one's going to be given that i was figuring you'd figure my number one would be total recall do you have any clue what my t- number one would be i thought your number one was going to be hunt for red october now i, I don't know what your number one's going to be all right, my number one fell in your um, outliers list, which is Back to the Future Part 3. Oh, I should have guessed I, that. I love me some Back to the Future. And even though this is panned by a lot of people, and for those that do like the movies, probably like me, recognize as probably the weakest of the three, I still love it to death. I love, you know, I, I tend to think of those movies as one movie across three parts. Um because it obviously is like Lord <laughs> of the <know>? Rings. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's more a, a continuation than a, than a separate whole other film. Um, Back to the future films are major formative movies for me. Um, when I got the three of those, um, I think for Christmas or birthday one year as a three VHS set, I sat down and watched all three immediately I showed my daughter Zoe these movies already. I have a Back to the Future book, illustrated book that I've read to her. Um, These are up there in the holy trilogies for me with Star Wars and Lord of the Rings and things like that. Um, I spent so much of my childhood wishing for a hoverboard and convinced that in the next few years that we would have hover conversions and uh, i still want a delorean i think my life's dream is to get a delorean at some point when i'm older and have random money to do that um this movie and and it's it's buddies are are just such big deal movies for me like they're on the mount rushmore of my movies so i i could not leave it anywhere else on this list but number one despite the very stiff competition so Number one for me for 1990, Back to the Future Part 3. How about you, sir? Number one. So I honestly, you're going to think that I would pick Die Hard 2, but I'm not going to pick Die Hard 2. Die Hard's probably like in the top 10 for me, but my number one movie of 1990 is Hunt for Red October. I just... Wow, all right. I, I, I love Sean Connery. You know, I think Alec Baldwin is so good as jack ryan like he's listen not to put anything against harrison ford or ben affleck or or chris pine or uh uh what's his name john krasinski but you know just like 
Michael Keaton was the first, you know, live action Batman, if you will, other than Adam West. You know, Alec Baldwin is the first Jack Ryan, and he's just so good in it. It's just so good. Yeah, I mean, the fun part about the Jack Ryan character is it's like, it's the same name, but it's always a different person. You know what I mean? Like, it's never intended to actually be, I think, maybe I could be wrong on this, the same person twice, actor-wise and character-wise. Um, so it's kind of just fun that like the, this this you know sort of bizarre shared character shared universe quasi sort of thing has traveled through so many different you know movies and mediums and things like that. Um, I'm really happy for it to be at the top of your list. And like again, I I put these things into a one through five order. I had to struggle to do that, but the reality is like anybody came over and asked me to sit down and watch any of these ones with them, I would jump at the chance because I love all these movies. Um, so I'm really happy that that one uh, popped up at the top of your list. And I'm a little sad we didn't spend more time talking about it at some yeah. point during our, our podcast. I got to go back and rewatch that one now. Another good movie of this year is a, is a movie that I, I think is a great film and it's highly underrated because it's been rebooted a lot of times on television is La Femme Nikita. It's a really good movie. Well, you Nikita, have... right? Yeah. So like not even La Femme yet. That comes later. Just Nikita, I think, for the first one. Yeah, that was a really good one, too. I kind yeah. of forgot that that was in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah, it's a really good movie. And, you know, it's got John Renault in it. It's, you know, I think it's Luc Besson is the director. Yes. It's, you know, it's yeah, a, no, it's a... I, I actually am a big fan of the Luc Besson movies. Yeah. Um, I've been he... waiting and waiting and waiting for them to do a sequel to Leon starring <laughs> Natalie Portman. But the seems to never happen but yeah (laughs) but anyway that is our top 10 movies collectively or top five each if you will because some of them kind of crossed over for the entire year of 1990 and stay tuned for our next installment in two weeks where we're actually going to review dances with wolves to round out 1990 and you'll have to drudge through my notes <laughs> on this movie. Well, before we call things quit here, um, I just want to mention again, a very special thank you to the Retro Network for hosting us. And thank you to all of our listeners. And, um, you know, we really appreciate um, feedback from our listeners. So if you want to get in touch with us, you can reach out to us on our three social media platforms. You can reach out to us at Box Office 30 on Facebook. Twitter and Instagram and on Instagram that's going to be T H I R T Y and on Facebook and Twitter it's box office three zero. Um so write to us, let us know what you think. Um and you know, uh if you had a a movie that made our list or didn't make our top ten list, let us know what some of your favorite movies uh for nineteen ninety are. We'd love to hear um some of those. And uh, another thing that we'd love to ask you all to do is while you're out there in podcast listening land. If you're somebody that uses iTunes or Google Play or some of those, um, you know, different outlets, please feel free to drop by and uh, leave us a review. Uh, You know, we'd love to expand our reach out further and and get more listeners. And a great way to help us do that is to um, leave some reviews out there on on the web. So if you've got a couple of minutes free, even while you're finishing listening to us ramble at the end of this one here, waiting for our next review, see if you can't uh, do a little... Plus for us, go out there, give us a nice five star somewhere. <laughs> yes, thank you. That would be really cool. And, you know, we love feedback. And if you have thoughts about the show or ideas for 
what we could add to the show, please let us know. We love to find out new stuff from our, our listeners and, and interact as well. So please feel free to do so. Thanks so much. All right. That's going to wrap things up for us here this week. We will see you in another two weeks for our review section. Be well, and we'll see you next time. <laughs> nah, you say goodbye. It's fine. <laughs> Fare thee well. Fare thee well. Uh, all right. I'll be the same. This has been a presentation of the Retro Network.